today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It is incumbent upon all of us to utilize our God-given spiritual discernment to assess the person, the situation, and determine whether they're looking for an answer or an argument. And that's spiritual discernment. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit is always at the ready to provide us with that discernment. Today, Pastor J.D. passionately reminds you to use your given spiritual gift of discernment when dealing with someone. You must assess the situation and determine if they're looking for an answer or an argument. To do this, just turn to the Holy Spirit. and He will give you the wisdom to know the difference. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Titus chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We find ourselves today in the book of Titus. And our text today will be chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. We're almost done with the chapter, and as such, the book, but not quite. So we're looking forward to what the Lord has for us, beginning in verse 8. Titus 3, the Apostle Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit to Titus, a pastor of a church in Crete at the time. And he says, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments, and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn, verse 10, a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Wow. (laughs) So, (laughs) my notes say I want to talk with you today, but that's actually not true. I don't want to talk about this, but I need to talk about this. This is uh, why it is perhaps that Pastors and teachers of God's Word who don't teach through the Bible stay away from passages like this, because it's kind of a tough uh, in-your-face, up-in-your-grill, in-your-kitchen, you can use whatever metaphor you want kind of passages. But it deals with those who sow discord and cause division within the church. If you were to ask me about 
One of the main problems that over the years I have personally struggled with in ministry, this would be at the top of the list. And there's a reason for that. I have witnessed firsthand the damage that is done in the life of a Christian and really in the life of a Christian church. I've seen churches devastated. I've seen lives ruined. I've seen marriages split up, all at the hands of those causing division. And I think in some way it explains why Paul writes this to Titus by the Holy Spirit. He wrote something similar to Timothy, you might remember in our verse-by-verse study through 2 Timothy. And I want to draw your attention to Paul's letter to Timothy, because he addresses this same issue, this serious issue, and it's going to be germane to our understanding of the text that's before us in Titus. So let's start in chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Notice again the similarities here. He's writing to Timothy and he says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. He continues in verse 23. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I love saying that word. You'll forgive me. Stupid. Okay, I won't say it again. I don't think. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone able to teach, better understood, teachable, teachable, not resentful. Opponents, verse 25, must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. It seems that both Timothy and Titus were dealing with similar issues, and it's for this reason that we refer to Timothy and Titus affectionately as the pastoral epistles. They were dealing with real problems in the church, and one of the main problems in the church that they were dealing with was contention, strife, division. However, 
while the concerns over divisive people were similar, Paul's letter to Titus seems to deal more specifically and severely. Notice to Timothy, he says, pray for them that God will grant to them repentance, that they'll come to their senses and escape the trap, because what the devil has done has trapped them and is using them, not possessing them. A born-again Christian cannot be demon-possessed. But that does not mean that a born-again Christian cannot be used by the devil to do his work. And that's what was happening in Ephesus with Timothy. But he doesn't say that to Titus. He doesn't say, hey, like I told Timothy, Titus, I want you to, you know, just pray for them and and gently instruct them and and hope that they'll repent and come to their senses. No, he's (laughs) a little more severe. It's kind of like, um, warn them once, warn them a second time. (laughs) Don't warn them a third time. Kick them out of the church. In Jesus' name. Wow. Where's the love? Well, we're going to talk about that. I found four. Four ways in our text that we are to biblically deal with those who cause division within the body of Christ, within a body of believers. The first one is in verse 8, and it's to remind them continually. Here, Paul tells Titus that he's to stress this, emphasize this constantly, repeatedly, and remind them continually to devote themselves to doing what is good. In other words, Titus, keep on saying it, because it needs to be said. Even if they've already heard it, keep saying it, regardless of the fact that they've already heard it. Why? Well, we actually talked about this in a different context in the prophecy update, but the more you hear something repeated, it's the repeating equals the retaining. And you keep teaching over and over again, and then you're more likely to be reminded of it and learn from it. So it's almost like this. It's like Titus saying, you know, Paul, come on, man. (laughs) give me a break. I've been telling them this over and over again. And Paul's response, keep telling them. Keep reminding them. You know, if you think about it, we need to be reminded, because we forget. We forgot. I'm almost embarrassed to confess this, but um, sometimes, not all the time, thank you Lord, and this is a, a thing, and I, it's because of my lifestyle before Christ, I I really did a lot of damage to my brain, for real. (laughs) Um, I will forget what I talked about the week before. Don't look at me like that, please. (laughs) I, I, I just, I don't remember, and then I have to go back on, oh yeah, that's, that's right. It's actually a pretty good sermon, come to think of it. (laughs) And 
I don't know if you notice this or not, but replete throughout Scripture, what you find time and time again is a repeating of the same thing. I think about the communion table, the Last Supper, the Passover celebration, and the ordinance, and Jesus saying, as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. Why would he say to remember me? Because don't we forget? Oh no, we do. We go about our lives, our lives get busy, and certainly in this world that we're living in, they're very stressful. And we forget that we're saved. Well, think about this. You know, I, you get in the heat of the battle and the, the intensity of your day in and day out work, and I mean, you get all worked up and <laughs> beat up, <laughs> bus up. I like saying that too. <laughs> us up. And then it's like the Lord's going, uh, hello, what are you doing? Why are you so upset? Why are you so worked up? Why are you still yelling at the TV? <laughs> you're saved. You're acting like you're going to be here for a while. You're living your life like this is your final destination. It's not. You're just passing through. This world's not your home. You're in it, not of it. Quit acting like it. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't tell. I'm speaking to myself, not you, so don't, you know. I always have to be careful sometimes when I look in a certain direction, and, and I don't realize it at the time, but I'm, I'm like, lust, pride, greed, and then the people I'm looking at are going, no, that's me. <laughs> In verse 9 we have our second one, and it's to avoid them astutely. Now, I'm choosing and using the word astutely because it speaks to the paramount importance of both an assessment and discernment. And I'll explain what I mean by that. It is incumbent upon all of us to utilize our God-given spiritual discernment to assess the person, the situation, and determine whether they're looking for an answer or an argument. And that's spiritual discernment. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit is always at the ready to provide us with that discernment. So you have a situation where somebody is engaging in, as Paul writes to Timothy, godless chatter. Oh, we know it by a different word, gossip, talking stink, spreading rumors. And it usually starts like this, hey, did you hear about what? Oh, you didn't know what? No, what? Oh, and we're really good at it actually, because we couch it in very spiritual terms like, we need to pray for so-and-so. 
No, what happened? Oh, you didn't hear? How are they doing? What do you mean? Oh, you didn't hear? How are they doing? I don't know. Why don't you go ask them? Oh, I have a better idea. Instead of talking stink about them, why don't you pray for them? How about that? There are some people, and this is why Paul is writing what he's writing to Titus. There are some people that love a good fight. They thrive on it. It's an adrenaline rush for them. They love starting up things and stirring up things. It's very carnal. It's very worldly. And I'll add, dare I say, very demonic. And we're going to see why here in a moment. Number three, verse 10. Warn them specifically. Okay, bear with me on this, because I don't know if it's possible to overstate this. Notice the specificity with which Paul writes this. I mean, this is a pretty specific set of instructions. Warn them once. Warn them twice. Do not warn them a third time. No such thing as three strikes and you're out. It's more like two strikes and you're out. Because when it happens again, after you've warned them twice, you have to deal with them decisively. That's what he's saying. After the second warning, not the third warning, we're to reject divisive people, have nothing to do with divisive people. By the way, Jesus said the same thing. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Same principle, same template if you prefer. So somebody sins against you, Jesus says, you go to them one-on-one. If you don't resolve it, then you bring two or more witnesses with you, and you approach them again. And if they still don't receive it, then you take it to the leadership of the church. And if they still don't receive it, you treat them. This is the Savior speaking. You treat them as you would an employee of the IRS on April 18th. (laughs) No, that's what he said. A tax collector. Tax collectors were despised. And Jesus is saying that you're to treat them like that and have nothing to do with them? Yeah. Wow. That that seems harsh. That seems unloving. Well, (laughs) nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, it's the opposite that's true. When the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, this carnal church. A lot of problems in this church. (laughs) Get this. There was this young man that was having sex with his stepmom. And everybody in the church knew it. 
And can you believe it? They were boasting about it. What do you mean? Oh, they're like, we're so loving and accepting and tolerant. Oh, we welcome you. We don't judge anybody. And what does Paul do? He writes to them, I mean it is scathing, and rightfully so. He says to them, that's not love. You think you're being loving? You are not loving him. If you really loved him, you would kick him out of the church and give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. That's love. It is? Yeah. Oh, you know that famous love chapter? 1 Corinthians 13. We love to quote it. Love is patient, kind, ah, chicken skin. You know why he wrote that? He wrote that because the Corinthians did not know what love is. They thought that was love. Paul says that's not love. This is what love is. You know what's really interesting about that? In his second epistle to the Corinthians, it seems that the handing him over for the destruction of his flesh to Satan worked because now he's repented. And then he has to rebuke the Corinthians again. Man, I, can I just say thank you that you're not Calvary Chapel, Corinth? <laughs> you guys are just an amazing church, but I can't even imagine dealing with stuff like that. Because now he has to rebuke them, because the guy comes back, he wants to be restored, he's repented. And the Corinthians are like, uh-uh. Ain't going to happen. Get out of here. And Paul says, what are you doing? Forgive the guy. He repented. Let him back in. Restore him. Love on him. That's love. Not only is it loving to them, it's also loving to the church. Stay with me. If you let that go, under the banner, well, well, we're just loving around here. We're accepting around here. You have just given Satan a signed blank check to write in whatever amount of destruction he wants. You've just given him permission. You have to understand that Satan cannot destroy the church from without. He can do it from within, and that's how he does it. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Titus with Pastor J.D., approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading, even on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. 
While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Titus together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at CalvaryChapelKaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Titus, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.